what's the difference between Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi? Greetings, friends, patriots from Sea to Shining Sea. This is Drew Allen, the host of The Drew Allen Show. It's not a trick question. It's not even a funny joke. What is the difference between Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi? Are you ready? Well, he's got something between his legs that she doesn't. That's it. That's the only difference. Well, then again, both of them do look a lot like aliens to me. So who knows with those two? I don't want to know what's between their legs, but one can surmise that he is a man and she is still a woman. Um, we have... Look, the, the Democratic Party are a bunch of arsonists. They're running around lighting this country on fire. They are threatening our democracy. They're threatening the American citizen. Inflation's here. We have to worry about, uh, you know, the financial situation in America. We have to worry about what they're up to, investigating their political opposition, trying to stack the Supreme Court, and so on and so on it goes ad nauseum to infinity. And Mitch McConnell, who's typically called the turtle, I think he's more like a groundhog. He comes out of hibernation every now and then, to do nothing, by the way. But he, amidst everything that's going on, amidst this January 6th commission, and we'll get to that soon, because Kevin McCarthy is having none of it, because, well, those individuals that the Republicans put forward to put on the committee, the so-called bipartisan committee, well, Nancy Pelosi won't allow them to sit on it because, well, they don't agree with her already before they investigate. Some sham that is, folks. Some sham that is politically motivated, Nazi-esque, intended to, well, condemn and destroy their political opposition and accuse Republicans and conservatives in perpetuity of plotting future insurrections of being domestic terrorists. That's what it's all about. It's about setting the groundwork for a police state in which the Democrat Party can label anyone they want Anyone who opposes them, anyone who comes out against them as being a domestic terrorist or plotting something that they're not plotting and then jailing them, etc. That's what it's about. It's that serious. We've got to face this head on. But I want to play this clip of Mitch McConnell to prove my point that he is absolutely useless and worthless. And he gives, well, you know, people like Mitch McConnell are the reason that the Republican Party is constantly in such shambles. Because... The Democrat Party, we know exactly what they're up to. We know what their end goals are, which is a one-party rule in America. And, you know, their success is our country's demise. And so our only political opposition, our only political defense against the Democrat Party and their totalitarian ambitions, well, politically, it's the Republican Party, but the Republican Party is useless. And this is the problem time and time again. We the people, those who love freedom, love prosperity, love this country, want to enjoy the unique uh, inheritance that we have, the greatest country on the face of the earth, well, we don't have anyone to step up and defend us. We have Mitch McConnell who says this, all right? I'm going to play the clip and then we'll get into it. Uh, you've seen the statistics, 97, <clears throat> 97% of the hospitalizations in the country for COVID are unvaccinated people. It never occurred to me after three highly effective vaccines were developed in under a year 
that we'd have difficulty getting Americans to take the shots. But that's obviously where we are. I want to underscore in the strongest possible manner I can. And I say this with some authority, as you all know, as a result of being a polio victim myself and being very aware that it took seven decades to come up with two effective polio vaccines. This was done in under one year. These shots need to get in everybody's arm as rapidly as possible. But we're going to be back in a situation in the fall that we don't yearn for that we went through last year. Americans need to do exactly what I tell them to do. Uh, the problem is people haven't put enough shots in their arms, and we need to get the shots in the arms, because if you don't get the shots in your arms, well, um, uh, we're going to shut you down again. I'm a Republican, but uh, I'm with the Democrats on this. Um, uh, we, we don't want to shut you down again, but by God, we're going we're gonna to shut you down and, you know, step on your constitutional rights and rule over you if you don't do exactly what we say. There's the guy, Mr. Marblemouth himself, who sounds like he's got a bottle of Kentucky bourbon, an IV stuck into his arm, so that he is drunk and intoxicated every waking hour of the day. And maybe he is. Maybe he's hitting the bottle back there before these press conferences, because coming out and lying is taking a toll finally. But here's Mitch McConnell, who sounds exactly the same as the Democrats. Amidst everything I remind you that's going on in this country, this guy, the only time we hear from him is to come out and tell us that we have to get vaccinated. Everyone has to get vaccinated. But why? Why should we all get vaccinated? Oh, we've got to protect public health. The unvaccinated are putting everyone else at risk. Before I get into a couple of stories, um, well, about this vaccination nonsense and all these rare breakthrough cases, which don't seem to be rare at all. It seems that, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's looking more and more like this vaccine isn't working. But to go off on one side tangent before I get into the meat of what I have to say, I just want to point out something else. Mitch McConnell, Notice, he says, he talks about the polio vaccine, how it took decades and decades for that to finally come out, for the research to produce that vaccine against polio. And he says, this one was a miracle, essentially. It came out, or it came out in just one year. But he doesn't mention, of course, that Donald Trump and his Operation Warp Speed were responsible. Do you see how awful these people are? Even Mitch McConnell will not give Donald Trump the credit for this vaccine that they are continuing to herald and demand that we put in our arms. But we've got those state senators from Texas who fled the state in a private jet to fly to Washington, D.C. with no masks on their faces. One of these individuals, by the way, did you see the photo? You got to see this photo of these smiling Democrat legislators in Texas who are so giddy to, well, violate the law and not fulfill their duty to be present in Congress, in, in the state there, in, in Austin, uh, to vote on legislation that's being put forward. So they're smiling. And one of those individuals in the photo, by the way, she's on the front left. She came out and said that wearing masks should continue to be mandated, and yet she's got no mask on her face. Do you see? These people continue to push this, this 
They want to force this on the American people. They say time and time again, you have to do X, Y, and Z, and they don't do it themselves. How can you trust anyone who doesn't even take seriously those things that they claim are the most serious um, most serious practices that need, be, need to be mandated. I mean, if you're going to say that everyone has to wear a mask in perpetuity and then you don't put a mask on your face, obviously you're not serious about it. It's the same thing with climate change and so on and so forth. But here we go. I want to get to this article from the New York Post because the media continues to tell us that these breakthrough cases are exceedingly rare. Breakout cases, of course, well, we're talking about individuals who have gotten the vaccine, one of the, main, one of the three vaccines, they've got, they're fully vaccinated, and yet they are testing positive, they're contracting COVID. And so here's the headline from the New York Post. This is about those Texas legislators who fled on a private jet to Washington, D.C. Sixth Texas Dem tests positive for COVID after fleeing state to block a GOP voting bill. So here we go. I mean, the headline pretty much says it all, but let's just read a little of this article. A sixth, sixth Texas Democrat who traveled to Washington, D.C. in an effort to prevent a vote on a GOP-backed voting bill has tested positive for the coronavirus, a new report said. The unidentified state lawmaker, who was among a group of Democrats who flew to the nation's capital on a private jet last week, is self-isolating. Over the weekend, five other state Democratic lawmakers tested positive for COVID-19. The group made the trip to D.C. to press Congress to pass federal election reform legislation, which would supersede the Texas bill that prevents local officials from sending unsolicited absentee ballot applications. Anyway, so, you know, they basically, in Texas, of course, uh, are doing everything they can to prohibit Texas from protecting uh, everyone's vote and ensuring that every legal vote counts. So six people on this plane, I don't know how many were on the plane, you can see the picture, but six out of this group is a lot of people, and they keep claiming this is exceedingly rare. But not only that, these irresponsible Texas Democrat, uh, you know, state legislators, <clears throat> well, here's another headline, okay? They flee to Washington, D.C., and then what happens? Pelosi aide, White House official, tests positive for COVID-19 after contact with Texas Democrats. These super spreaders got on a plane and brought the coronavirus, even though they're supposedly fully vaccinated, to Washington, D.C., where they, well, they infected a bunch of other people. Now, of course, well, we know the answer to this, but it's worth pointing out because it's absolutely, well, it's outrageous in this country, the way the Democrats operate. But, you know, imagine, of course, that a group of Republican lawmakers in Texas had fled Texas on a private jet without masks, gone to Washington, D.C. to meet with Donald Trump, and then infected a bunch of Republican senators, etc., and congressmen and women. Of course, the media would be reporting that they were irresponsible, they were spreading death and disease, they would be contending him, they'd probably be trying to impeach him right about now. But of course, we know there's a double standard in the media. This isn't news to us, this is predictable. But here we go. The entire press office is working remotely today with the exception of individuals who have had no exposure to the individual or have had a recent negative test, Pelosi's deputy chief of staff said in a statement on Tuesday. 
Our office will continue to follow the guidance of the Office of Attending Physician closely. So, it's so, so rare for these breakthrough COVID cases to happen. And yet six of these individuals who are all fully vaccinated came down with COVID on a private jet to Washington, D.C. Do you understand the credibility gap here? That what we're being told time and time again by Mitch McConnell, by the Democrats, by bureaucrats, by Fauci, it doesn't jive with reality, what we can witness with our own eyes, what we're seeing with our own experience. This is exceedingly rare, and yet six of these people come down with COVID. It does not add up. It doesn't make sense. If it was so rare, this shouldn't have even happened. Are we going to have a conversation soon about the efficacy of these vaccines? Or are we going to continue to act like these vaccines, which are still experimental, maybe they don't work so well? I mean, a month ago, back in June, we had a report that 50% of the new COVID cases in Israel, for example, which has one of the highest vaccination rates in the world, well, 50% of those who tested positive for COVID were fully vaccinated. That's not exceedingly rare. That's a problem. Just because you want to believe the vaccine works, even if you're just a layman, maybe you who've been vaccinated, I mean, is this not concerning to you? It's concerning to me. Is there something wrong about asking this question? I mean, when 50% of, of, of uh, fully vaccinated Israelis are testing positive for COVID, that's not an outlier. That's problematic. But on top of that, I got another headline here I want to go over, okay? Here's the headline. This is from AM Greatness. I love AM Greatness because I write for them often. And if they're accepting my brilliant work, well, maybe you don't know me yet. You don't know I'm actually a humble guy. I'm just kidding around. But there's a lot of brilliant writers on AM Greatness, including, at the top of the list, Victor Davis Hanson. But here's an AM Greatness piece. Here's the headline. Vaccine-related fatalities now exceed 12,000, according to VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, database all right. In recent days, here's, the, here's the, the article, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website has quietly increased the number of deaths reported after a COVID-19 vaccination by over 6,000. The CDC is now reporting that between December 14, 2020 through July 19, 2021, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, that's what VAERS stands for, received 12,313 reports of death among people who received a COVID-19 vaccine, compared to under 6,000 last month. Now, here is the problem, all right? <clears throat> Not only should it be concerning that 12,000 people have died as a result of getting the vaccine, while the CDC seemingly, in an effort to erode confidence even further in the CDC and the bureaucrats, well, they quietly changed their numbers back to 6,079 reports of death since this article came out. So their reporting was over 12,000 had died from the virus. This came out. This is, was per, you know, uh, objective reporting from their numbers. And then, well, 12,000 sounds a little scary, doesn't it? 12,000 people have died from the vaccine, from getting the vaccine. So now they've quietly changed it back to 6,000. 
Is that supposed to, uh, to create some kind of trust in what they're giving us? And this has been the problem all along. There has been zero transparency about any of this. We're just told, get the COVID shot, get the COVID shot, it works. And then we have the six D Democrat lawmakers who come down with COVID and we tell there's nothing to see here, folks. They tell us there's nothing to see. Don't worry about it. This is exceedingly rare. We've got athletes who are coming down with COVID who've been fully vaccinated. We've got the Israel stuff that I've talked about. And I mean, 12,000 people dying from a vaccine. Maybe that doesn't sound like a lot if you get into the numbers of reported COVID deaths over the last year. But those are 12,000 individuals who died from a vaccine. Those lives matter too. And if this wasn't COVID, if it wasn't politically motivated, I guarantee you right now, the FDA would revoke and pull back the vaccine and stop administering it. Because that's a scary number. Those lives matter. And we should be a little more cautious in our approach with this vaccine. But of course we're not because this has been a great un-American experiment to begin with. And, you know, Fauci has zero credibility, by the way. He has done the greatest damage in terms of trusting the, the medical establishment in America than anyone in American history. Now, I'm going to play a little clip from uh, Jake Tapper on CNN. I'm going to play it reverse. I'm not going to play... Um, well, let me do it this way. I'm going to play... Because, okay, let me, let me just set the table for you, okay? You probably saw or heard Rand Paul grilling Fauci in Congress, under oath, of course. So if he lies under oath, well, that's a criminal offense. So he grills Fauci about gain-of-function research and so on and so forth and accuses him of lying. And now Rand Paul, good on him, is uh, promising to file a, a criminal complaint uh, looking into investigating Fauci essentially making this serious, holding him accountable, which is very important. I'm not holding my breath for that to go anywhere because I've got stories about Joe Biden violating the law while he was the vice president using a private email server, just like Hillary Clinton did. And of course, nothing ever happens to them. But I'm going to play, I'm going to play this clip on CNN of, of Tapper, of them circling the wagons, protecting Fauci, gaslighting like they do. And then I'm going to play something to blow your socks off, folks. So here is, uh, here is Tapper talking about Fauci, defending Fauci on his, uh, well, his propagandist show. Joining us now to discuss Dr. Paul Offit. He's the director of the Vaccine Education Center at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Dr. Offit, I want to start with another kind of misinformation. The constant MAGA media and... Well, I got to pause there. This is not Jake Tapper. This is the brilliant Drew Allen. Jake Tapper is a dunce. Uh, not to be confused with me, uh, an enlightened individual. But um, there he goes, the MAGA media. Do you see how, these, how sinister these people are? The MAGA media. So they already want to discredit like they've been doing all along. You know, they, they work in tandem with the Democrat Party. This is why I'm telling you they are propagandists working to, to, to fulfill, push forward this fake lie, this narrative that the Democrat Party wants out there. The MAGA media. So do you see how this works? If you disagree with the Democrat Party and those who have been lying to us for years and years and years, well, you're just MAGA media. Anyway, all right, let's get back to Jake Tapper. Republican lawmakers' attacks on health experts, especially on Dr. Anthony Fauci. Today on Capitol Hill, 
um, Fauci was confronted with con, uh, an accusation, basically, from Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul. Take a listen. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly, and I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. This is a pattern that Senator Paul has been doing now at multiple hearings based on no reality. He keeps talking about gain-of-function. This has been evaluated multiple times by qualified people to not fall under the gain-of-function definition. I have not lied before Congress. I have never lied, certainly not before Congress. Case closed. I don't want to get into the details of what uh, Senator Paul was attacking there and, and all that. but I don't want to get into the details about... Uh, you know, the specifics of Rand Paul's accusation. They never want to get into the details because the details condemn them. The details damn them. Because the Democrat Party doesn't have details. They have bumper stickers and meaningless language, um, well, that, that defies the reality. So there you have the exchange that I was talking about between Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci. Senator Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. Senator Paul, with all due respect, the experts have all said that, you know, they've changed the definition of gain of research function to, to well, align with what I did to, to say that what I did, I didn't do it, okay? Uh, with all due respect, Senator Paul. I want to tell you that, you know, officially that, uh, yeah, I've never, I've never, you know, funded gain-of-function research, and Dr., you know, Rand Paul, who's a doctor himself, doesn't know what he's talking about. So there he's denying. Now, let's go back to 2018, folks, because this clip should put Dr. Fauci in an orange jumpsuit, jump, jumpsuit and have him in prison for the rest of his life. Here is um, Dr. Fauci, who says he never, ever, uh, had anything to do with gain-of-function research. But here he is in 2018. Anyway, so let me just go on about NIH lifts funding pause on gain-of-function research. So let me explain this a little. Remember, we have no control over things that are not funded by the government. But in government-funded activities, to guide the funding decision before you actually do the experiment. I don't think this is going to be foolproof. Things are going to slip through. But I think this is a much better approach than we've had before. So here's what this amounts to. I will fill in the blanks, all right? So basically what Dr. Fauci is saying in 2018 is that, um, yeah, NIH is now funding gain-of-function research. But through funding gain-of-research, it's actually a good thing because what he's essentially saying, the way things look in reality today is that, Okay, the Wuhan lab, for example, they're going to fund gain-of-function research, but unless the American government is involved and has skin in the game, well, we can't control it. We can't have any say in what happens. So, allegedly, based on what he's saying there, he thinks it's a good idea to actually fund the Wuhan lab where gain-of-function research is actually taking place so that we can somehow, well, have a say in what's happening there in gain-of-function research. But the end is the same. Dr. Fauci, as the NIH director, well, he funded gain-of-function research in a Wuhan lab in China, which produced the COVID-19 virus, which shut us down over the past, well, you know, year and a half. 
And so there he is. He just perjured himself in, in, in Congress in that exchange with Rand Paul. And of course, well, Jake Tapper, who's a Democrat Goebbels spokesperson, like in the Nazi party, is defending Fauci. Doesn't want to get into the details, of course, because I just explained the details, and the details incriminate him. So the plan for the Democrat Party is typical. Just, just change the narrative. Change the definition of what gain-of-function research is. Just deny. And if they just say it isn't true, well, then it isn't true. And that's what they always do. That's what their fact-checkers do as well, by the way. They don't get into the details of any of the data points. They don't get into any of the details of the argument. They just simply say, well, what you heard isn't true. What you saw didn't happen. What you witnessed wasn't real. You know, this is, these are the kinds of people that, you know, if you walked into a room and you watched somebody hold a gun up and shoot somebody dead and blood splatter was on the wall, well, the Democrats would come in and say, no, 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 you didn't see it. It didn't happen the way you said it did. It wasn't a murder. He didn't kill him, not really, and you're discredited because you're, well, you know, you're MAGA media. But this is the problem. You know, it's very important. I'm not holding my breath, like I said, but it's very important that Rand Paul does go forward with this. And the sad thing is Mitch McConnell and these people want no part of this. They have no interest in, in, in fighting. They're happy and comfortable and fat in their positions in Congress. They like the, thing, the way things go. And this is the Washington establishment. That's why I say the war in America today is the Washington establishment, Washington, D.C. versus the American people. And it's not just Democrats, although the Democrat Party is totally controlled by totalitarians. But Mitch McConnell's one of them, as I've demonstrated time and time again. But I want to get into this story. Well, let me finish it this way before we move on from COVID. I'll have plenty of time to talk about COVID in future episodes because it's obviously not going away. They're going to continue to use this and weaponize COVID to control the American people. And that's why when I say it's an un-American experiment, what I mean is they've used this virus to change the relationship between the American people and the government. The Constitution is an agreement a contract between we the people and our government which says that we're the master and they're the servant. We have unalienable rights. But we've seen our rights go from unalienable to dependent and divvied out by the government, waiting for them to tell us what we can do when we can open, um, uh, all in the name of public health. So that's why I call it an un-American experiment. And they want to continue to hang on to that as long as they can. That's why it's not going away. And furthermore, you know, it's interesting when I think about these, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell falsely claims that 90% of the cases uh, uh, in hospitals are unvaccinated people. He doesn't give numbers, of course, about how many people those are. But look, those who haven't been vaccinated and weren't vaccinated until it came uh, to be, well, most of them either had the COVID virus and didn't die from it because they had strong immune systems, or they were asymptomatic because they also had strong immune systems and were young and healthy. And so nothing changes. And the point is, if you get a virus, science has proven, well, for decades and decades and decades, that, you know, it's like, it's like you know, the, uh, the uh, you know, chicken pox bats, right? When you're a kid, you want your kid, because they're not going to die of chicken pox, to get chicken pox then, so they develop immunity to the virus. And that's, that's the way viruses work. If you're young and healthy, it's actually better to get the virus and then develop natural immunity to it 
And let's just say that all things equal, if you get the vaccine, it's the same result. So, you know, those who are at risk, sure, get the vaccine, but everyone else who's not at risk from dying? I mean, look, I've made this analogy before, and I think it's important. This is my last point before we move on. You know, the healthy individual's odds of dying in a car crash are much greater than dying from COVID. Uh, Those deaths matter as well. Drunk driving contributes to a significant amount of automobile deaths and casualties. But if you applied the same thinking as they are to COVID with those deaths and automobiles by drunk drivers, well, you would, you would outlaw liquor. You would eliminate liquor stores and you would do everything you could to prevent that from happening, right? But we believe in freedom of choice. We accept a certain amount of risk every time we get in our cars because that's just life. That's just life. And if these bureaucrats, CNNs, NBCs, had a running tally every day, 24 hours a day, of the number of automobile accidents that led to deaths or injuries, if they reported day in and day out about how many were related to drunk driving, well, many of you who were hiding in your basements for a year, you probably wouldn't get in a car. But you get in your car because you understand that it could happen. But the likelihood is so insignificant and minor that it's worth the risk. And that's the same here. Death and disease did not begin with COVID. It began long ago, and COVID's here. We have to live with it. We have to move on. We can't continue to live in this fearful environment of a virus that kills a tiny, tiny, tiny portion of individuals. Like the flu? Like cancer? Like everything else? I mean, there's just risk associated with life. And I'm not going to sit here and live my life in fear because of COVID. We've got a Delta variant, this variant, that variant. It's going to continue to change. And the vaccines may prove ineffective again. We're not going to shut down our economy again. We never should have done it to begin with because of it. But the fear porn campaign, it wasn't about fear of the virus. It was sinister. It was used to, like I said, flip the Constitution on its head. But here's an article, speaking of the necessity of somebody like Dr. Fauci going to prison and actually facing consequences. Well, here's the headline from Just the News, John Solomon's outfit. Shades of Clinton, Joe Biden used private email to send government information to Hunter. Does that sound familiar? Gee, I believe that happened with Hillary Clinton. Here we go with the article. In a communications backdoor Reminiscent of Hillary Clinton's infamous private server, President Biden used a personal email account during the Obama years to send information he was getting from the State Department as vice president to his globe-trotting, foreign-deal-making, corrupt, that's my addition, corrupt, son, Hunter Biden. Messages, sometimes signed dad, from the email account Robinware456 at gmail.com were found on a Hunter Biden laptop seized by the FBI in December 2019 from a Delaware computer shop owner. This is the laptop the Democrats say isn't real. Yeah, despite the fact that it has personal photos of Hunter Biden and his personal email account, this is Russia collusion. Anyway, moving on with the article. 
Some of the messages from the vice president to his son obtained by Just the News were deeply personal. Others were political in nature, and still others clearly addressed business matters. Of course, this is me interrupting again, interjecting. Uh, the business matters, of course, that Joe Biden claimed in 2020 he had no awareness of whatsoever. He didn't talk to his son about his business dealings. Uh, Joe Biden should be impeached. He should have been impeached long ago. He is um, the most corrupt politician in American history. Anyway, let's go on with the article. It's very, very insightful. For instance, in late November 2014, the U.S. Embassy in Istanbul sent an email to the State Department that was then forwarded to senior advisors to Joe Biden, including national security expert Michael Carpenter, providing an early alert that an American named Martin O'Connor was about to be released from detention in Turkey. So, the lead attorney for Mr. O'Connor reports that the court granted the detention appeal and he expected Mr. O'Connor to be released from jail today, barring any unforeseen problems. The U.S. Embassy in Istanbul wrote in an email that got forwarded to top Obama administration security and diplomacy officials, including current Undersecretary of State Victoria Nuland. Quotation, Mr. O'Connor will not be allowed to leave the country until his next hearing, which is set for December 11th, 2014, the lawyer expressed confidence that he will be able to leave after that hearing. The attorney is handling his release arrangements, pickup, and temporary housing near his law firm's office. Istanbul Consular plans to speak with Mr. O'Connor after his release. So a former senior Obama administration official confirmed to Just the News that some administration officials knew of Hunter Biden's email address, robinware456 at gmail.com, for Joe Biden, and used it for time from, to, for, from time to time. Sorry, so robinware456, that's Joe Biden's email account on a private server while he's vice president. I saw it used to communicate with his family and friends or to pass information to them, the official told Just the News, speaking on condition of anonymity. The emails obtained by Just the News show numerous Obama administration officials communicated or were aware of the private email address or had their information sent to it, including current Secretary of State Tony Blinken. In January 2013, Blinken emailed Joe Biden at his private email recounting a colleague's conversation about the Pulitzer-winning journalist, author, and screenwriter Richard Ben Kramer's last minutes before dying. At the time, Blinken was Joe Biden's national security advisor. So beyond establishing that Joe Biden sent government information to his son, the existence of the private email address also raises questions of federal law, as Hillary Clinton's email server showed. This is the same thing, folks, the exact same thing, situation. Biden had an obligation to preserve any emails involving his government work under federal records law, even if he used a private email address. So the Presidential Records Act required Joe Biden to make sure that any of his Gmail account emails, including these emails to Hunter Biden, were forwarded to a government account so they could properly be handled by the National Archives. No wonder the Obama White House wanted to protect Hillary Clinton from the consequences of her email shell game. So Hunter Biden on a few occasions reached out directly to his father on the private email address to ask for help. The memos from the laptop show in January 2012, for instance... Hunter Biden forwarded a request to have the vice president prepare a video message for an event honoring Texas Democratic activist Ben Barnes. We are working on it, the vice president wrote his son in reply. 
On another occasion in June 2014, Hunter Biden suggested someone he wanted to see appointed as a detailee to the Treasury Department. Before you fill the positions, please talk to me, Hunter Biden wrote his father. This is fascinating. This is me interjecting again. Hunter Biden, who is not in a government position, who is using his father for financial gain or vice versa, he is emailing his father to, to tell his father who he should appoint as a detailee to the Treasury Department? The vice president responded to this request, call me right away, dad. So politics were the subject of these emails. Coming to and from robinware456 at gmail.com account. And so when a poll came out showing Bo Biden was still popular as attorney general in Delaware, the vice president used his private email to applaud. Strong, he wrote, signing it with his name, Joe. Sometimes Vice President Biden's messages to his son took a more personal note. I don't really care so much about that. The Vice President also flashed some of his trademark self-deprecating humor, once forwarding an astronomy story suggesting a planet to be named for him. From his private email, Joe Biden wrote his family, only time in history the subject line was why I deserve more respect. So, here we go again. The article's titled Shades of Clinton, Joe Biden used private email to send government information. So this was a unprotected server. He's vice president of the United States. This is exactly the thing. Now, this article doesn't get into how many of those were confidential emails and so on and so forth. But the point is Joe Biden's using a private email, just like Hillary Clinton did, which we know that was a scandal. It was illegal and unlawful. She got out of it because she's Hillary Clinton and a Democrat. But here's Joe Biden doing the exact same thing. And and what I get from this, folks, and what's important is that the Democrat Party is a corrupt machine. They've been doing this for decades, and there are no repercussions. And this country cannot continue. There cannot, there's going to be a constitutional crisis because of this two-tiered justice system in which Democrats... And anyone who violates the law, who are, you know, basically violating the law, who are doing it, you know, the ends justifies the means, whether it's BLM being, being bailed out of jail. We, we had a story today about a guy getting, getting jail time who didn't do anything except uh, walk into the, the, the Capitol building on January 6th. He was holding a flag. And this guy's been identified, prosecuted. And he's going to spend time in jail now. And these individuals who commit crimes that are far exceeding, both in their objective violations of the law and also in what the danger is that their violations actually represent, because this gentleman in the Capitol that was just walking around, he didn't endanger anyone's life. He didn't, it wasn't a, 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 a national security risk, and yet he's going to jail. And you have Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton getting off scot-free and many other Democrats in which this same thing happens time and time again. And the American people will not continue to stand for this. It's absolutely absurd. It's unfair. And you can't have a justice system that prosecutes people in different fashions based on their political alliances and causes. 
It's beyond the pale. But I'm going to take a short break here. Finally, we've been long-winded this segment. Not many people can talk for 40 minutes straight, but I can. And that's a rare gift, and that's why I do it. So here we go. Take a short break. When we get back, we're going to get into, uh, well, the uh, Pelosi's continued effort to investigate the root causes of the January 6th non-insurrection. And, well, the reality that that is all about uh, political power. All right, this is Durrell, and we'll be right back. This is Drew Allen. We're back, folks, for another segment in podcasting excellence here. Before I get into the story about um, Pelosi rejecting a couple of recommendations for this, well, it was supposed to be a bipartisan committee to investigate January 6th, I just want to clarify something about what the scandal is regarding then-Vice President Joe Biden's private Gmail account. And... It's the fact that when you're vice president of the United States of America, you have to preserve all the emails. You cannot delete them. You cannot hide them from the government. You cannot destroy them as Hillary Clinton did. And so that's really the crux of this. Did Joe Biden delete and get rid of emails? Because all those emails that he sent from his private Gmail account on a, uh, from his private Gmail account there, well, all, all of those emails have to be preserved because of his position in the government and the role he was serving. So that's really the question in all of this. And of course, none of that will be investigated. This will be forgotten tomorrow. And that's the problem. We have scandal after scandal piling up as high as Mount Everest, and nothing is ever done about them. They're just forgotten. And yet, if you're a Republican or a conservative or someone who's not a Democrat, you know, well, well, they invent scandals to destroy your life. They send you to prison based on invented, fabricated uh, evidence. They impeach you and impugn you because of things that you didn't do, but things that they want to say that you did so that they can destroy you. So... As I get into this story about Kevin McCarthy, right, okay, so, you know, Pelosi announced not too long ago she was going to create a select committee to investigate the root causes of the January 6th insurrection in which they're comparing that event to September 11th and suggesting that, uh, you know, it was a terrorist mob attack. And I'm not going to get into it on this one. You can listen to the previous podcast I've done about how a rabid mob of terrorists, Hillary Clinton supporters, on Trump's inauguration day on January 20th, 2016, did the exact same thing. They didn't make it to the Capitol because there was a police presence, but they injured police officers, lit cars on on fire, and threw rocks and broke windows of businesses. And that scene, if you watch it, was more frightful than what happened on January 6th. So this is all BS. But here we go. Breaking. Pelosi rejects representatives Jim Jordan and Jim Jim Banks for January 6th committee. 
McCarthy pulls all GOP picks. So here we go in a surprise move. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has rejected two of Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's GOP picks to serve on her January 6th special committee. The two lawmakers who Pelosi refuses to seat on the committee are Representatives Jim Jordan of Ohio and Representative Jim Banks of Indiana. In response, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who made the picks, has pulled all GOP members from Pelosi's committee. The rules of the committee's formation gave Pelosi veto power over McCarthy's selections. Well, Kevin, Kevin, I mean, great, you're pulling them away, but, I mean, this was a, a never a bipartisan endeavor. This was always a sham. It was a false flag operation that was intended to, well, manufacture something that didn't happen. You know, false flag, of course, is, is when a situation arises, an activity occurs, and those who are largely responsible for creating that activity use that activity to destroy, point the finger at another party, and destroy them, right? The, the famous example of this is the famous insurrection in Nazi, well, prior to Nazi Germany, the famous insurrection, the uh, Reichstag fire. I've talked about this before on this program, so I won't get into it too much to bore you who have been with me for all this time since we started this podcast. But, you know, an alleged communist sympathizer was arrested for setting fire to the parliament building in Germany. And the Nazi party used that event to malign all communists, to malign the Communist Party, and to say that they were behind that action. Even if that individual who was arrested in the 1930s in Germany, even if he was a communist, and even if he did set fire to the Reichstag, well, the order was not given by the Communist Party, but the Nazis used that event to accused the Communist Party of being behind it and of plotting future insurrections. And that's how they, they, they stole power in Germany. That's how Nazi Germany was born. That one moment in Nazi, that one moment in German history, well, the Nazis used that to take over Germany. All, of course, in the name of defending Germany, defending the Weimar Republic. And, of course, their defense of the Weimar Republic was by destroying the Weimar Constitution, suspending the rights that were, well, promised, guaranteed in the Weimar Constitution, and then taking over the media, seizing and destroying the robust free press, and creating a propagandist media. And that's what I'm saying. What's happening in America today is frightful. It's exactly out of the Nazi playbook. So, you know... Pelosi won't allow these individuals on the committee because they won't go along with her objective, which is to arrive at a conclusion that Trump is behind it, Republicans and conservatives are domestic terrorists, and then to use this event to, to well, reimagine it, manufacture it, to destroy their political opposition. And, of course, Pelosi, she stated... 
Well, let me, let me say what, this is what Pelosi said, right? In a statement, Pelosi wrote that she had spoken to McCarthy about the objections raised about representatives Jim Banks and Jim Jordan and the impact their appointments may have on the integrity of the investigation. You should have two sides to every obje- uh, investigation, by the way. So she doesn't want any voices on there that are going to disagree with her purpose. They're going to derail them in some way from achieving the ultimate end, which is to say that Donald Trump incited an insurrection and the conservatives are domestic terrorists, so they can't have that. So this was never a bipartisan committee. That's why she quickly appointed, um, oh, what's her name out of Wyoming? I'm trying to forget her name because she's disgusting to me. Um, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. That's who I was trying to think of, right? So Liz Cheney condemns Donald Trump, lies and says he incited the insurrection, and so she's on the Democrat Party side on this. So, of course, Liz Cheney's desired. But anyway, Pelosi goes on with her statement. She says, I also informed him, that's McCarthy, that I was prepared to appoint representatives Rodney Davis, Kelly Armstrong, and Troy Niels, and requested that he recommend two other members. With respect to the integrity of the investigation, with an insistence on the truth, and with concern about statements made and actions taken by these members, I must reject the recommendations of Representatives Banks and Jordan to the select committee. The unprecedented nature of January 6th demands this unprecedented decision. That's right. January 6th demands the unprecedented action of destroying the Constitution, attacking her political opposition, and bringing this nation to her knees. So there we go. And of course, you know, she states the goal of the select committee is to investigate and report upon the facts and causes of the terrorist mob attack. Well, I mean, what are they investigating? They came out on January 6th before the quote-unquote insurrection was even finished while it was going on, and they said Donald Trump incited an insurrection. They came out later and said, you know, this is white supremacy. So if they already know what the cause is, what is the point of this committee? There's no point whatsoever. It's just a dog and pony show. It's just, it's just their way of continuing to divide America and, well, paint you and I as insurrectionists and domestic terrorists and to use that to their political gain. These people are Nazis. That's what they are. They've called Donald Trump not, uh, uh, Hitler. They've made the comparisons to Republicans as Nazis, but they are the Nazis. They are the totalitarians, and that's what this is all about. Here's another article to go along with this theme of totalitarianism. From the Washington Examiner, Disunity, Race Relations at New Low, 10-Point Black-White Gap. So much for President Joe Biden's call for unity and diversity, Washington Examiner writes. According to the latest Gallup survey, race relations have hit a new low, a trend that turned sharply worse during the Obama-Biden administration and has grown under Biden. Do you notice that the race relation gap, the problems with race relations in America... Well, their growth is directly correlated to the Democrat Party being in power. They got worse under Obama. They are substantially worse under Biden. And here's how the Gallup explains why, though, by the way. You're you're actually, I, I have not read the rest of this article. You are experiencing this with me. You were getting the clear, clean, unfiltered Drew Allen who is going to 
analyze this with brilliance and comments, and you don't even know what you're gonna get. Because this show is about improv. Here's the gout. The reading has eroded nine percentage points over the past two years as the nation has grappled with the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent nationwide protests and calls for racial justice, said the analysis. Well, there you go. George Floyd, that's the reason for it all. No, no, it wasn't George Floyd. It was the media's reaction to George Floyd. And I would remind you again, had Ashley Babbitt, who was the unarmed female veteran who was shot unarmed during the insurrection by a Capitol Police officer, if she had been a black man named George Floyd, there would have been riots in the streets, BLM would have been burning your houses down, marching through your neighborhoods, ripping down your gates if you were so inclined to live in a gated community. They would have been burning down businesses and cars. 19 people would have been killed in the aftermath. So, of course, here we go. George Floyd. No, it's not George Floyd. It's the media's seizure of that narrative, rewriting of history to make it something that it was not. Okay? Things happen. All right? Things happen. And the issue, of course, in the black community is the fact that there are no fathers... The black community are perpetual victims, which is encouraged by the policies of the federal government and the welfare state. They don't have school choice. They're condemned to poverty, to join gangs because they don't have a way out in almost every scenario. And these inner city communities, they have no morals, no values. They don't value human life. And they think that, you know, the world is out to get them. And that's the problem in these communities. That's the problem. But it is, it is the government's fault, and it's the Democrat Party's fault. So that's, that's the story, right? So, so race relations are the worst they've ever been in America since, well, in modern history. And so here we have another article. All right? BizPack Review, I believe. Mayor, Council of Salt Lake City, declare racism a public health crisis. Did you know that? Racism is a public health crisis. Everything is a public health crisis. COVID's a public health crisis. Climate change is a public health crisis. Racism is now a public health crisis. Another Democrat-run city, that's key, by the way, Salt Lake City, Democrat-run city, has chosen to ignore all other pressing problems, such as crime, and instead declare racism to be the true threat to its existence. Led by Democrat Mayor Aaron Mindenhall, the Salt Lake City Council on Tuesday declared racism a public health crisis through the passing of a resolution. A resolution, you know a resolution is useless, meaningless, does nothing? It's just a grandstanding, it's just a superficial acknowledgement, just like BLM. Oh, like, like, the, like the women's soccer team taking a knee before they got their butts kicked by Sweden. I'm so happy they were embarrassed because they were too focused on BLM to get their heads in the game and be focused on uniting to, to, to represent America to actually do their job on the soccer field and win games. And that's why I say, too, about this women's soccer team, if you want my unique opinion about it, BLM suffered a loss as the women's soccer team suffered their first loss in this Olympic trial that's coming up and going forward in the first games. Because... They don't really care about BLM. They're not really motivated. They don't really support it. 
It's just a way to get press attention. It's half-hearted BS feeling on their part. They don't even believe it. Because if they actually, for example, were united behind the flag and loved America and were proud and motivated to win because they were fighting you know, to win a soccer match to represent America and bring glory to this country and themselves, well, they would have won. But because they made it about BLM, which they don't really care about, they lost. And that's the takeaway. So here we go. Here, here's the resolution. Ready? SL Council, SLC Council, Salt Lake City Council, and I signed a joint resolution declaring racism a public health crisis. We are publicly acknowledging the existence of a grave inequity many in our community have long experienced and are committing ourselves to creating policies and ordinances that are anti-racist. What? You're going you're gonna to create policies and ordinances that are anti-racist? Racism is banned in America. It's not legal. This is the biggest lie. It's like these dumb women marching in the Capitol for voting rights. Yet we already won that battle. Uh, why don't we march for women's suffrage? Gosh, let's, let's march to end slavery. That would be stupid, of course, but the Democrat Party is stupid. They're just gaslighters, they project, and they're just trying to create a problem that doesn't exist, and they're actually trying to create problems. Well, th these problems are existing now, as you can see by the, the, the gap in the race relations, but they create those problems. And I'm going to take one short break here again, and we're going to come back. I'm going to talk about Saul Linsky, all right? I'm going to read you a little bit from Rules for Radicals, the Communist Manifesto. And, you know, Saul Linsky wrote these recommendations uh, in terms of how to destroy America, and they're being followed to this day by the Democrat Party, but they're also typical in Cuba and any totalitarian regime, okay? Saul Alinsky wrote, him in, wrote this in his book, but they're tenets from, from other, you know, communist uh, uh, works, all right? But anyway, this is Duran, we'll be right back. And as promised, I'm going to read you a little excerpt from Saul Alinsky. Now, you know, you don't have to read this book. You should read this book. But you can depend on me, who studies the left, who studies communism, to uh, tell you what they're up to. That's why you listen to me. So here we go. This is from Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. The organizer's job is to inseminate an invitation for himself to agitate, introduce ideas, get people pregnant with hope and a desire for change, and to identify you as the person most qualified for this purpose. Here, the tool of the organizer and the agitation leading to the invitation as well as actual organization and education of local leadership is the use of the question the Socratic method. So here we go. You've got to agitate the community. This is what the Democratic Party does time and time again. You've got to get people pregnant with hope and a desire for change. And you've got to 
identify yourself as the person who's qualified to solve the problem. That's what the Democratic Party does time and time again, right? So they introduce these ideas, whether it's critical race theory, suggesting that America is an inherently racist country, uh, whether it's saying that, oh, the you know people don't have rights to vote, Republicans are trying to suppress the right to vote by asking for IDs, which are required for, I don't know, buying liquor, getting on an airplane, buying a house, opening a bank account. Oh, but when it comes to voting, that's racist. And we are here, the Democrat Party, to solve the racist issue. George Floyd dies. Oh, systemic racism in America. This white police officer, well, he, he, he murdered this individual because he was black and he hated black people, even though there were black individuals that were there present watching the situation happen. But we, the Democrat Party, are here to solve systemic racism. We're here to impregnate you with hope and a desire for change. And that change is the destruction of the United States of America because it's a horrible, horrible place. And, uh, you know, we're the ones who are going to solve that. So anyway, the Democrat Party is communist. Um, and as you know, communist, communism is responsible for the deaths of, well, millions of people in the world. And uh, the Democrats will be responsible for, well, tens of thousands, if not millions of deaths in America if they have their way. But let's move on to the Democrat Party and how sick they are. Do you remember before the 2020 election, November there was a, a plot uncovered by the FBI of a kidnapping plot of Michigan Governor, Democrat Governor Whitmer. This was in October. This was, this, this was revealed to us. Now, <laughs> are you ready for this? Here's a headline. This is from the New York Post. Men accused in plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Whitmer claim FBI set them up. Ooh, what does this entail? This is really interesting, is it not? The FBI is not corrupt, right? Um, here's the article. The men accused of plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer last September claim they were set up by the FBI because of their conservative political views. There were at least 12... FBI informants involved in the investigation to thwart the alleged scheme by a militia group known as the Wolverine Watchmen. But, here's the kicker, folks. The agents actually took an active part in it right from its inception, according to court filings. Court filings. Evidence and dozens of interviews reviewed by BuzzFeed News. And now some members of the group are accusing the feds of entrapment. One informant from Wisconsin allegedly helped organize meetings where the first inklings of the plot surfaced, even paying for hotel rooms and food to entice people to attend, BuzzFeed News reported. Another undercover agent allegedly advised the group on how to blow up a bridge to aid their getaway. So you have the FBI who are actually sponsoring this alleged kidnapping plan of Michigan Governor Whitmer. 
They're actually, well, they're introducing themselves to this group, the Wolverine Watchmen. They're the ones who are coming up with a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Whitmer. They're the ones who are encouraging these members to proceed with this plan. And these are FBI agents. Do you understand how insane this is? They're trying, the FBI is actively trying to create a crisis, create a situation in which these individuals who aren't thinking about some plot like this, well, they're trying to plant the seed and encourage that behavior. Why? Of course, it was to damage Donald Trump, right? It's to say, oh, we've got another instance of uh, conservatives, Republicans who are plotting to uh, kidnap Michigan Governor Whitmer. These people are insurrectionists, right? This is the whole point. But let's keep going with the article, and then I'll give you my erudite insight. So an FBI informant who is an Iraq war veteran eventually rose to become second in command of the group, the report said. Look, these people aren't dealing drugs. They're not involved in any kind of sinister schemes. It's not like some kind of uh, uh, scheme, you know, which is justified in which they're infiltrating a drug, uh, you know, cartel. No, no, no. They are, they are proposing the idea, encouraging an idea, planting the seed, and trying to make this happen. So let's keep going with this. According to BuzzFeed News, lawyers for the men allege that the informants and the undercover agents, FBI agents, gained the confidence of the defendants, stirred their anger at Whitmer, and encouraged them to conspire in the plot. Do you remember what I just said about Saul Alinsky? Agitate the community and get them upset, get them pregnant with hope and desire for change, and to identify you as the person most qualified for this purpose? The FBI agents are acting out of the Saul Alinsky playbook. The Iraq vet, they said, even taught them military tactics to use in the operation. So the defendants, of course, the, the, the people that are members of this Wolverine Watchmen group, well, they said, they claimed the talk of kidnapping Whitmer because she instituted strict coronavirus guidelines was just that. It was talk, all right? While they acknowledged attending training sessions with combat-style rifles and communicating with each other about their frustrations with Whitmer, they say there was no conspiracy to do harm to the governor. The men allege the government set out to sabotage their militia movement that is based on the sanctity of the Second Amendment and their belief the government, their belief the government by violating the Constitution is no longer legitimate. And then, of course... Well, okay, so, so the men are claiming they're targeted due to their conservative views. But one of these defendants, one of the individuals of this Wolverine group, Barry Croft, who's 44 years old, well, he wrote on Facebook that he wanted to hang President Donald Trump, as well as Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. So these guys, this guy in this group 
isn't even a, a conservative if he hates Donald Trump and wants to see Donald Trump, Trump hanged. So 14 people in this group have been charged by federal and state prosecutors in the plot. And, you know, their cases are working through the, the court systems now. And they, they, they face an assortment of charges from conspiracy to commit kidnapping to domestic terrorism to weapons of mass destruction charges. And, of course, one of these individuals, Ty Garbin is his name, he pleaded guilty in federal court last month and said he would fully cooperate with prosecutors in return for leniency. And he faces life in prison. So these guys were essentially set up. The FBI was operating under the control of Democrats who wanted to smear Republicans and conservatives to malign them, to paint them. Look, let's go back in history to Steve Scalise. Remember when that Bernie Sanders supporter fired his weapon at a group of Republican congressmen who were practicing baseball? They shot Steve Scalise. He shot Steve Scalise, almost killed Steve Scalise, and he was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Now, I mean, that's unbelievable, by the way. That's disgusting and repulsive. And this always comes from the left, the violence. It's always from leftists, radical leftists. But imagine FBI agents went to this guy who, who tried to murder a bunch of Republicans and, said, and, and incited him to violence. That's what these FBI agents are doing. These people weren't plotting to kidnap Whitmer. They introduced the idea. They encouraged these people to do this so that the Democrat Party would have ammunition against Donald Trump and Republicans leading into the November election. That's how sick and perverted the Democrat Party is. That is how sick the FBI is. But let's get into these FBI agents. Because the irony, of course, is that they are sick, perverse individuals themselves. They have no, there's no reason they should be in the FBI and this is what's going to happen going forward. It's going to get worse and worse as we've seen this effort to make the FBI, the CIA, our military woke. So here's a follow-up article. Here's a headline from the Detroit News. FBI agent in Whitmer kidnap case arrested following domestic incident. The arrest of an FBI agent credited with helping thwart a plot to kidnap. And he wasn't thwarting, by the way. This is me talking now. He wasn't thwarting a plot. As we just heard, these people were trying to incite a plot to kidnap and kill Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Well, it turns out that one of these FBI special agents, his name was Richard Trask, who's a piece of crap. He's 39 from Kalamazoo. Well, he was charged with assault with intent to do great bodily harm, less than murder, following a, do a domestic incident with his wife Sunday. So basically this guy beat his wife. He assaulted his wife. But this guy's not in jail. No, no, no. He was released on a $10,000 personal uh, bond following an arraignment in the 8th District Court in Kalamazoo. He faces a charge punishable by up to 10 years in prison. But this guy hasn't even been, been kicked out of the FBI. But this guy was the spokesperson, the face, all right? 
Trask, this guy who beat his wife, who was the one who was encouraging these individuals on the Wolverine team, or whatever they're called, to kidnap Whitmer, who introduced the idea to them to do this, well, he's worked for the FBI since 2011. And he was the public face for the FBI in the Whitmer case. He testified in federal courts about the investigation. This guy's worked on cases involving espionage, terrorism, and domestic extremism investigations. But this guy is a terrorist. He's beating his wife. And so here's the comment from a former special agent in charge of the FBI's Detroit office. Because Whitmer is the governor of Michigan, right? So this is why this is relevant. It's the last thing you want for a major case like this. Anytime you give the defense any ammunition, it's not good. Ammunition? You just blew it wide open. This shows how corrupt the FBI is, how corrupt the Democrat Party is, and how deep the deep state is. That's what this is about. You have an FBI who is working for the Washington, D.C. establishment and the Democrat Party to encourage violent actions, to incite them for political gain. That is, that is absolutely fundamentally un-American, but it, 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 let me take a deep breath. It highlights how severe the corruption in America is today. It highlights how deep the problem goes and how entrenched the Democrat Party and corruption is in our bureaucracies. The FBI is corrupt. The CIA is corrupt. The American military is corrupt. And this is at the behest of the Democrat Party. And the, the chickens are coming home to roost, as they say. And this is not good for America. This is, I mean, how many decades is it going to take to right this injustice? To get rid of these corrupt individuals who beat their wives, who are in the FBI, who are doing the bidding of the Democrat Party to help them win elections. That's the takeaway from all of this. All right. We're going to take one more short break. We're going to come back. We're going to close this thing out. I'm feeling good. I've got more to say. I hope you've got more time and energy to listen. This is an absolutely jam-packed, loaded show. But I don't spend my time and my hour, hour and a half on the air talking about one issue because there's many issues, and it's important that we cover the ones that matter. All right, this is Drew Allen. We'll be right back. And we're back, folks. Final segment here. We're going to close out the program. Um, you know, Democrats believe that, of course, the government, the federal government, is a solution to everything. Right? They should take over everything. The communists like AOC and my former friends think that the government is the solution to everything. Well, here's a report, by the way. Let's just put that to rest once and for all. 
It won't be once and for all, of course. We'll have to continue to have this discussion time and time again because they are indoctrinated fools. Here's the headline from Just the News. Federal watchdog. Unemployment programs wasted billions. That's B-I-L-L-I-O-N-S. Billions. The GAO, that's the Government Accountability Office, well, they say states and territories overpaid by 12 Point nine billion between March 2020 and April 2021. So in a year, they overpaid, wasted, threw away, flushed down the toilet. 12.9 billion dollars. Here it is. Here's here. Let's, let's get into this article, folks. A federal watchdog says billions of taxpayer dollars have been wasted through unemployment programs. In the past year, and that number is likely to rise. The Government Accountability Office, that's the GAO, released a report examining unemployment benefits during the COVID pandemic that found states and territories had overpaid by $12.9 billion between March 2020 and April 2021. The Department of Labor was given billions to detect and prevent fraud, but that wasn't able to stop the rampant waste and abuse. The American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, enacted March 11th, 2021. Now, this is the program, of course. This is the Biden administration. Subsequently provided DOL, the Department of Labor, with $2 billion to detect and prevent fraud, promote equitable access, and ensure the timely payment of unemployment benefits, the report says. As of May 20, 2021, Department of Labor officials said that the Department of Labor was working to develop detailed plans for this $2 billion in coordination with the Office of Management and Budget and noted that developing spending plans across 53 states and territories involves complex considerations. Right. It's always just complex considerations when they waste money and flush it down the toilet. They say only a, only a fraction of those overpayments were fraudulent. During the first four quarters of the pandemic combined, that's April 2020 through March 2021, the pandemic, States and territories reported about $1.3 billion in overpayments identified as fraud across the unemployment programs, the report says. States have continued to identify overpayments in the regular Unemployment and CARES Act unemployment programs, and some states have begun reporting data to the Department of Labor on recovered PUA overpayments. So... Well, here we go. Overpayments are not necessarily a result of fraud, though some may be. As we reported in January 2021, Department of Labor data show that the dollar amount of state-reported overpayments in the regular unemployment program increased substantially during the pandemic, coinciding with historically high numbers of unemployment claims. States have also reported large amounts of overpayments in the CARES Act unemployment programs. I mean, let's just go back to the number here. $12.9 billion in overpayments. So overpayments are payments to people that, well, they didn't qualify for unemployment. They didn't qualify for these programs. And that's just in the last, that's just in a year alone. 
Do you understand how corrupt the government is, both at the federal and state levels? $12.9 billion. I mean, we're $30 trillion in the hole, and this just keeps getting worse. The government does not have any accountability. They just spend our tax money like drunken sailors, however they wish. They waste it through corruption. And we're just supposed to sit here and take it time and time again? I am a historian, and I would remind you that we fought a revolutionary war in 1776 over this very issue. The founding fathers, chief among their complaints and grievances, was that Great Britain and King George III could raise their taxes, spend their money, waste their money as they saw fit. And the colonists had no say in the matter. Taxation without representation. And again, yes, we have individuals in Congress who are elected, but they are absolutely corrupt, spending this money, wasting this money, throwing it down the toilet without any oversight whatsoever. The Founding Fathers fought a revolutionary war because of this very thing that's happening in this country day in and day out. And here we are, the American citizen, sitting here, well, $12.9 billion of our tax money, oh, you know, whatever. Who cares, you know? It's, it's the government's money. No, it's not the government's money. It's our money. And they face no consequences for this. I mean, you've heard it said from other people. I've heard it said throughout my life from erudite individuals I've listened to that, you know, if, if a business in the private sector operated like this and had overpayments, well, those CEOs, those individuals who are tasked with managing the finances of that private sector company, well, they'd be fired. They would never get a job in their, their lives again. And yet here we go, $12.9 billion down the drain in just one year, and that's one program alone. This is the problem. There is so much waste in the government. The government should be absolutely decimated. They are so large, so powerful, and they have no repercussions, these individuals, whether they're governors like in my state of California, Newsom, nothing happens to them. I mean, if you, if you oversaw a company and you wasted $12.9 billion, like I said, you'd never have a job again. You'd be the laughing stock of the business world. And yet in government, this is just accepted. It's just par for the course. It's okay. Well, it happens, you know, the government, you know. And yet the Democratic Party and rhinos, they want to federalize everything. They want to take over industries. 
AOC wants us to be a socialist communist country in which the government controls the private sector. Well, here you go. $12.9 billion down the drain just in one program alone. And the debt goes up. We've got inflation here. And Joe Biden wants to spend more and more money. And actually, I'm going to end this program with a clip with Joe Biden, who supposedly won 80 plus, who supposedly got 80 plus million votes. Let's listen to Joe Biden because I remember all the conversations I had with Democrat friends of mine who claimed that Donald Trump was so stupid. Donald Trump was just so, he was not an intellectual. He had no business being president. Well, let's listen to Joe Biden, okay? Let's listen to Joe Biden, the genius Democrat that my Democrat friends and those Democrat voters thought was so superior to Donald Trump. Let's listen to this guy who can't finish and complete one sentence and make one rational thought. He can't have one rational word. He can't communicate anything, but he's president of the United States. What a joke, folks. What a joke the America, what a joke the United States of America has become under this fake administration which stole the election in 2020. Here's the president of the United States. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are, why can't the, the, the experts say, we know that this virus is in fact uh, um, uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Uh, that was utterly incomprehensible. He literally just said nothing in however many seconds I just played. This guy cannot articulate a single thought. And this is the guy the Democrats claim is superior to Donald Trump. Mean tweets. No more mean tweets. Now we have a Alzheimer's patient in the White House who cannot formulate a coherent sentence. But anyway, I just want to play that because I have a little bit of fun and joy listening to Joe Biden garble through, well, any live experience. That's him at a town hall in which he also, by the way, claimed that, um, well, he admitted he wants to come and take all guns because... We shouldn't have any guns at all. Any guns that can fire 20 bullets, 30 bullets, doesn't matter if they're AR-15s, Armalite 15s, or if they're handguns. He's coming for them all, you know? There's no reason for us to have them. And um, that's part of the totalitarian uh, regime's plan to destroy this country and, uh, well, make us slaves again to them. They want to make us Cuba while Cubans want to become America. But I'm going to leave you on that optimistic note. <laughs> optimistic note. Um, but look, you know, we're going to get through this, I promise you. Um, yeah, things are dire. I say this all the time. But I'm an optimist. America is still a majority conservative. It is not a majority Marxist like they would have you believe. Just don't listen to CNN. Just look to CNN. Um well, I read CNN, as I've said time and time again, because it gives me insight into what the Democratic Party is up to. And uh, we're going to win this fight. It's going to be a long fight, but I'm here. Uh, I'm 34. I got a lot of energy, got a lot of time and life ahead, too. 
And so um, I'm here with you. I'm going to continue to keep you informed, and I'm going to fight the good fight alongside you. So you're not alone. I know I'm not alone. And, um, you know, your listenership to this program is so valuable to me, and I really am grateful to you for standing with me and, and in this fight to save America. Anyway, uh, this is Drew Allen. Uh, I want to thank you for listening um, today. And uh, as we say on this program, until next time.